What's up, everybody? This is Phil Rogacki. And I'm Jared Abergina. You're listening to Two Tree Guys Podcast. What's up, everybody? Phil Rogacki here. And my co-host, Mr. Eric Palacio. Pleasure to be here with both of y'all. I think you do more podcasts on, on my show than anybody else, even ch- myself included. Yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I, I thank you for uh, giving me that opportunity for sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He's got some Hollywood time coming up. He does. He does. It's that smile. It's that smile, that charm. Hey, it's gotten a lot of girls, <laughs> oh, look, that's for sure. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But no, man, we're we're we're... Pleased to have a class A badass in the industry, man. Uh, not just in the tree, but out of the tree and and uh, inspiring individuals and students and teaching and investing uh, back into the industry here. Mr. Bill Burley. Welcome, my friend. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having you here. Yeah. Long time coming to get on here. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And everybody that's listening to this right now and driving wherever you're driving to, uh, this is just a teaser. So it's coming. Okay, we're going to have Bill down at the studio. Uh, we're going to spend a couple days uh, with him down there, maybe come down there and teach some classes for us. Uh, but we're going to have him down there. and We're excited. And you guys are going to hear his whole story. But today we're just going to give you a little teaser of that uh, here at Arbor Fest here. That's Hans. Hans out there. What's up, Hans? Big shout out to big Hans. Yeah, for that. So so, Bill, let's 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 dive in, man. And I want to want to hear your story because you. You've been a name in the industry since since I've been in the industry, and I've always heard your name. But I never never got an opportunity to meet you, and the first time I met you was at a TCI trade show where Jared introduced me to. But uh, your name seems to come out all the time, you know, from that. And it's not just like I said what you do in the tree, but it's about outside of that for that. So how'd you get into this industry? Well, this all starts when I was fourteen. Uh, you know, growing up in Rhode Island, a really small state. You know, not much to do. Uh, a family friend of ours had a tree company. And when I wasn't playing baseball, I was in the tree. Mm-hmm. Not really in the tree. It took about three years before I even got a chainsaw in my hand. But it was. Uh, it started out as uh, dragging brush and chopping wood. Okay. And uh, it just stuck. Uh, Bill, who was that company? Um, and are, are they still around? They're still around. Barrier Tree Service, uh, mm-hmm. owned by Bob Barrier. Um, he's... He's actually moved into more of the firewood industry now. Okay. Uh, supplies most of the restaurants in the Northeast with uh, kiln-dried firewood. Oh. Cool. But yeah, it was a, I mean, it was just uh, supposed to be a summer job to start. Uh-huh. And then it just progressed more and more. <laughs> and then I hit that 18-year-old mark and it's like, hey, here's a chainsaw, here's a saddle. Hopefully you paid attention. <laughs> did and, you? And uh, I, I, fortunately, I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> fortunately. And uh, I've been in the tree since. Wow. So you never got out. So when was that moment that you knew that this industry, this, this is it, this is my industry? I don't think that happened until about recent, recent times. Okay. Um, you know, obviously being in a smaller state with small residential companies, you know, kind of bouncing around and trying to find a good company to stay with. And there's a, there's a few good ones there. Yeah. Um, I started out, you know, obviously with Barrier and bounced to a couple of smaller ones and when, I ended up with Northeast. When you say there's a few good ones, what, what's, what's the definition of a good tree service? Because I hear that all the time. Like, mm. oh, they're a good one. What is a good one? That's a good question. So a good tree service is a company that you want to get up and go to work and put your 100% in every day. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of companies out there that you just want to go get your paycheck and get your ass home. Yeah. Those aren't good companies. 
you know, or maybe there's, there's just, just not the right thing between you and the company. Yeah. But a good company is you want to wake up in the morning, you go to work on time, you get there, you put 110% in, you stay until the job is done, you give it your all, make sure the customers are happy, you finish out the day and you go home and do yeah. it all again the next. Good, good. Okay, okay. So so getting into this industry, you started climbing. You remember that first tree you Yes, I do, actually. <laughs> yes, I do. How'd you do? Uh, it was slow. Yeah. Yeah, it was a small pine. It was on Johnson's Pond in Coventry. Uh -huh. I'll never forget it because... Uh, Is the tree still there? No, I finished it. You finished I it? I finished it. <laughs> but I will remember that the first, it was the first time I took a top and I we were doing old school way and it was all natural crotch rigging, mm -hmm. uh, half itching over on itself. And out of my lack of knowledge, I half hitched it underneath so it uh -huh. locked up on me. Okay. And it went for my first ride. <laughs> and uh, I remember getting pinged around like a ping pong. Uh -huh. And uh, fortunately, I never did it again. But right then and there, getting off the ground and, you know, getting up there and doing that job, like, that's all it took. Gotcha. And then progressively getting more and more and larger and larger trees. Now, being out in California where we get the biggest trees out there. They're big. They're, they're big. They're big. And uh, it's just, you know, being off the ground, I actually prefer to be off the ground more than I actually like walking on the ground. Okay. Feel you safer know? up there? I feel safer because of the techniques that we... Uh, that we've mm -hmm. developed over the years, mm -hmm. you know, and obviously the, you know, with the help of Eric in the industry, you know, being one of my closest friends, mm -hmm. you know, developing the processes and developing the, the SOPs and the, the standards that we now follow, uh, it's a lot easier to do the bigger work mm -hmm. as long as you maintain in those parameters. Yeah, yeah. there's a little bit you know? of a roadmap now with uh, SOPs and standard operating procedures. Back in the day, it was still a lot of like, well, we do this like this, you know? I was like, well, fuck, that company does it this way, you know? Mm -hmm. um, standards and the way that the um, industry has evolved on all of that has has really helped out, you know? Because there, there was no roadmap for no, me No, there and wasn't. You. No, so, not even, I mean, up until recently, there really wasn't, you know? And not until, you know, guys of our age have really come into the sectors and really kind of like dissected mm -hmm. what was going mm -hmm. on, like, People like Jared and Axel, yeah, yeah. you know, and all of us yeah. coming together and kind oh, of figuring absolutely. out what the best stuff to do is. So writing an SOP, you know, standing operating procedure for anybody who didn't know what SOP is. Uh, great. Write one. I, I, what do you do? How do you start? Is there a roadmap? I mean, and these are SOPs that individuals are using, mm -hmm. not just for your company, but in the industry. Yeah, they, end up, they end up leaking into the industry. Uh, because initially they get written a lot for like the people that we work for, the utility companies that absolutely need to know what the process is for you cutting down that tree, right? In the commercial residential side, it's like you can do whatever you want, you know, mm -hmm. do it however you want, skin the cat however you want. You as well as us know, being in the utility, the utility wants to know exactly how that tree is coming down. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that it's really come about best practices, rule of thumbs industry standards what that's already in ANSI the little bit that OSHA has uh, put out to the industry I mean what, what's your take on it that's kind of how you build that roadmap right well it starts there it well starts actually there. it starts with somebody getting hurt right it always unfortunately starts with, it, that's it, that's that, it, it starts is, with is there a way to do it so that doesn't have to happen or does it do you need someone to be that sacrificial lamb to go <sighs> unfortunately Shit, I didn't see that unfortunately so before we had what we have now, 
unfortunately it had to be in response and reaction to something happening, mm -hmm. some sort of incident. Now that we have kind of like a generalized roadmap of where we need to be and where we need to go and knowledgeable people in the field, now we can actually see things developing before we get to that incident point. And then we can take a look at how those processes are being developed and what they're actually doing and we can tweak it, mm -hmm. right? Maybe sometimes we just have to give a little shove in the right direction or maybe sometimes we just need a full revamp. Yeah, gotcha. And fortunately there's enough knowledge within everyone in the industry where they have a good base or a general good base of knowledge to do, mm -hmm. right? How I get something done. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's just, oh, well, I'm looking at it from down here and well, don't do that because it might miss and swing into something else or something's mm -hmm. very simple where it can mm -hmm. just stop them right then and there. And they have enough knowledge and enough information in their brain to say, okay, well, he said that, let me change to go this way. Good, good. I, Hopefully that's the way it is. Yeah. Hopefully it's not, and unfortunately in the utility sector, we see it a lot where it's uh, mass hirings, where mm. we do have less than knowledgeable individuals climbing and mm -hmm. being involved in tree removal operations, where unfortunately it's a complete stop and we have to revamp everything. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the way it is, but that's, you know, it's... But um, I feel like people like us sitting at this table, um, and so much more like, I don't know if millennials too much, but the people that are our age, even, even in life, right? Like, 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 look at what phones, what you remember having like a phone at home with a cord and everything and you having, I'm not as old as you. You are. Um, my but, mom would follow that cord all the way yeah, into the closet. I'm on the phone or she gets on the other line. Fell up, dinner's right. I'm like, mom, oh, get the hell off the phone. Right now. Look at what happened there, right? Yeah. And like we, th there's people that just saw that. They they just know that my parents, your parents, yep. they, they they just remember that. There's other people like the young kids that we train that they're like, you had what kind of phone? Mm -hmm. Or like we talk about an Adam Sandler movie and they're like, what? Like Ooh. who's Adam Sandler, right? Mm -hmm. We came from old school climbing, Blake's hitches, taught by the guy that you were under, the foreman you mm -hmm. were under. To like all these innovations, right? Yeah. Like to, to 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 look at the look at the gadgets, what has happened. Yeah. Look at the ropes. Look at all that stuff. So, I feel we're just fortunate enough to be born at a time where like boom, this blew up, and we have yeah. that old school knowledge. We can integrate some of that, and and we can be helpful in creating these SOPs and helping. I mean, you do a lot of that for your company mm -hmm. as well, and and I'm pretty sure you feel a little bit of the same. Like having that knowledge. From, from the old school and understanding the new school and what's all that come about, yeah. it, it gives you a very good perspective of what the industry needs, what this gentleman needs so that we can make him into that climber like a Bill, mm -hmm. like a Jared, you know? Um, what do you guys think about that? I mean, with creating that kind of, you know, these SOPs and the trainings, uh, we're gonna take what took you three years to get in the tree or four years to finally get into where we're putting people and training them up in six months yeah. and be able because of the technology, because of our advancements, because of our training systems and the way they learn and the way they can absorb that. We don't have to wait five, six years to finally teach someone to get up and train. Right. You can teach them a lot faster and help advance their career a lot, a lot faster in that because yeah. of the roadway or because of the pavement that you guys are paving right now. For and them. they didn't have to like kind of, 
bump their heads into the tree no. like we did and stuff like that and and, and you know they didn't have to go through like they didn't have to go we through, put them through well we well we put them through a blake sit so they understand yeah. all those concepts but they didn't have to climb for two years yeah. on the thought liner of blake's yeah. hitch you know so for me uh going back to the, the yeah. question of what it takes for the sop so you have this you have to go on the mass right you have to develop a, a plan a roadmap for a mass of individuals that can be repetitively done every single time correctly and it can't be this extravagant ultra complicated process it has to be as simple as problem the simplest mm -hmm. way to, to the solution for the problem and when you have that you have your sop that can be repetitively done every single time effectively mm -hmm. and then you have a little more advanced sops like vertical speed lining or speed lining in general high line moving etc advanced tree felling hazardous trees crane work yeah. And you have a little more specialized SOPs that take a little longer to develop. And there's going to be a lot more bumps in the road because situations change. Mm -hmm. uh, or machinery is so new. Yeah, or machinery like we're dealing with the Cenoboggins, the Fallbach yeah. and Diamonts. Or, you know, it's just, just completely just starting from scratch all over again. Yeah. But fortunately, even though we have new equipment that mm -hmm. we're dealing with processing on, we have the understanding of what it takes to make it safe. How do mm -hmm. you make that whole entire work site safe? How do you make that process of removing that tree with that Cenoboggin safe? The knuckle boom, the, the knuckle, yeah. you know, yeah. the grapple saw. How do you make that safe? Well, we have that generalized idea of how to make that safe now. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're already further advanced than we were 15 years ago. Something mm -hmm. new comes out, it's like, oh, wow, Shit. wait a second here. <laughs> what can we compare this to? And there was nothing to compare it to. We didn't have process and drop zone or danger zone or felling zone. We didn't have any yeah. of that. But now we have it. Good. So Good. it makes things a lot easier when things change with this generalized roadmap. It makes it a lot easier to really hone in on each specific item. Good. Good. This stuff is, you know, it's, it's needed in our industry uh, more and more and more. Uh, and it's not just one person, but a team getting around and helping and be able to build these and then to take it back to the drawing board, scrapping it and starting over, scrapping it and starting over until we refine it to where your people aren't getting injured. People are not dying doing this work every single day. Now I want to take this back again to uh, what I was asking you earlier. And we, I kind of drifted off a little bit, a little bit uh, that time you knew that this is it. This is the industry. This is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. Because you've done a little bit of different types yeah. of work as so, well, right? Okay. So I think it. I think the until recently it was kind of like you always try to get out of this industry. Right? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was only me. It, no. So and why is that? Why? Why? I mean, what? What else is so growing up in this industry? You know, growing up from the from being 14, dragging brush and chopping wood to now like it was always treat the tricky industry kind of was like a low level it's like yeah it was a bunch of convicts and yeah. people who didn't make it in like you know other industries yeah. didn't have a driver's license didn't have right you so know that's, that's where tree care was it was like lower level on the uh on what people had the persona of what yeah. you are right yeah and you always try to get away from it but then whatever you're trying to get into doesn't work out so tree care is always there mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I want to, it wasn't until probably the last 10 years where it was like, okay, no more trying to get out. This is, this is it. it. This is where I'm going to concentrate my efforts on. I'm good at what I do. 
I can be better at what I do. I can go and do better things. Yeah. Did you feel a shift in just the way you look at things, the what you invested yourself in, the people that you helped? Did did was there a shift at all? No, I think uh, the big thing was the money. Mm-hmm. So the money started to get better. Okay. And I think that was one of the biggest things that's really changed this industry a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Is the money has become a livable wage for a tree care guy. Yeah. And it, I mean, back in the day, you could live on 12 to 15 bucks an hour. Yeah. Now you can't. Now you <laughs> have to have the 20, 25, 30 bucks an hour in order to have a livable wage across the country. Mm-hmm. California, we know that that livable wage goes into the 60 to $75 an hour. Yeah. In the tree care industry, you can do that now. We have, we've moved up the level, right? So now it's a respectable industry yeah. where people want to work like the European methodology, right? Europe in Europe, being an arborist is a tree surgeon, right? You're, yeah. you're up here, yeah. right? You're well-respected. Yeah. And now here in the States, it's, it's getting to that level. Now we're such innovators in the rest of the world in technology in manufacturing why are we so far behind compared to any any other uh, country there is out there uh, in arboriculture, in Canada, in Australia, in Europe, in China, in Japan? Why are we so far behind? Change takes money, right? Mm-hmm. Change takes a lot of money. Mm. Let's take the forestry standards in Europe, right? You have to have zero footprint, zero impact. You know, so you have these forest crawlers that provide less than three pounds yeah everybody has a helicopter to right everyone green has a stuff that takes money clients don't want to pay right up until recently in california when it comes to the wildfires that's the only reason why the industry has exploded the way it is because it's a response to incident yeah otherwise the money <laughs> still wouldn't be there it would still be back where we were 10 years ago mm-hmm. so advancement takes money and People are need have the willingness to change to meet those advancements. If your customer client doesn't want to pay for those advancements, hmm. why bother? Hmm. I'm getting it done by throwing the chunk of wood on my shoulder and carrying it up that hill and dropping it in the back of a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Job's getting done. Why am I going to invest in a, a machine that can do it for me? Yeah. Plus, you're getting paid by hourly and all that kind right. of stuff. There's you, no incentive to and, do it. I, and I'll follow you on this a little bit. I might sound like a conspiracy theorist with what I say for that, but you look at the hardest jobs in America, right? Which is picking fruit from a field, um, cleaning restrooms, whatever you want, um, doing this kind of work, the tree work. For for utilities, for governments, those are the jobs that they need. Those are the people that they need. So they might say, politicians we don't want illegals in this country well who does the majority of the work that they pay for mm-hmm. you know and again like hopefully like i mean we work for all the utilities this is not a this is not to bash on anyone out there but look look at the tree industry like you and me and all of us sitting here know that there is a lot of people that are illegal in the industry mm-hmm. a lot you know wh- why do i want legal people that are smarter that want a $70 an hour pay to do this job because they find out that it's extremely hazardous to do. Well, I just keep it to the to socioeconomically challenged people, you know, that someone who, who I know has a legal status 
of, of this sort. So that's why construction, as much as they say it's regulated, it's yeah. still the highest, you know, illegal people or people of, of low socioeconomics, um, utilities. These are the highest level of organizations in the world. Like, they don't want to pay for that. Yeah. You know, they have people like us everywhere. Like, can you imagine what it's going to cost to have 10 fills on my crew? Like, <laughs> I can't afford it, you know? So, I mean, and I don't know if that makes sense. Because right? I might like, not be getting the work done if you have 10 of me out I'm there. Probably not. You know, I've seen you work. But so <laughs> we, we can look at this another way. So if we look at European standards when it comes to climbing. We know that some of their climbing standards are really tight. Stringent. Why did yep. that happen? Mm-hmm. Right? So we have centralized healthcare in Europe for the most part. The centralized healthcare system started to see an influx of injury to arborists. Right? So now they're paying out all these insurance claims. Mm. They're covering all the costs of medical and everything else. So centralized healthcare turned back to government, which instilled, well, why is this happening? They figured out, mm-hmm. they, they, did their, they did the root of cause analysis, figured out why this is happening, and that's how we become some of their standards when it comes to climbing, mm. to mitigate the insurance yeah. claims. Here in America, it's not going to happen. That's never going to happen here. Now, is regulation and law, we have two different things here, right? We have regulation that could have some gray area where you're allowed to move through. And then you have law, which is law. In Europe, they're finding out that having it on law is a bad thing. We don't want that here, right? So we have to understand that there's going to be some give and take. There's going to be some lack of innovation, lack of progression, because... If we progress where they're at their point and becomes law, now we have a bigger yeah a, a bigger issue. Now there's like going to be enforcers everywhere. Yeah, it's like Jared. You know, Jared was saying on uh, who I think it was with uh, uh, Travis's Vickerson's uh, podcast was we want to be regulated, but we don't want to be regulated. Yep, absolutely, like, we want some We've rules about that to, a lot. to keep out. You know, the pickup truck, the you know, not contractors, not insured type of guys, but yeah. we don't want to be too regulated on this kind of thing. Yeah. Did you, uh, I just talked to um, Cody, your guy. Mm-hmm. Cody. I think it's Cody. Um, anyways. You might be right. But um, so I just, I just talked to him about some stuff in Cali and he's like, Hey man, um, now they're asking us to wear chainsaw pants in the tree. You know what I'm talking about now? No, I'm no. not going to say too many names, okay. um, but but this was just a conversation from yeah. one of your instructors. You know, I guess we've all been kind of busy. You know, we, we, we're always talking, you know, mm-hmm. your guys, too. And he's like, hey, Eric, what, what do you know about this in the industry? I'm like, there's nothing like that. in there. And he's like, well, we've been going to the assessment. And now today they asked us, uh, like, now our guys have to be wearing chainsaw proof. And I, I, have you heard something like that? You, you know what I'm saying, talking about yeah. a little bit. Okay. So, like, this was just it's, yesterday, it's so, the day before, so and I was like, They're pushing wait, towards whoa, that right now. Whoa. I'm like, okay. so I'm like, new. But, 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 but it goes back to, like, where, where are people getting hurt? Like, no one's getting hurt in the tree. Like, you can't make rules just to make rules. You can't make laws just to make laws. Like, you got to see where people are dying, where people are getting hurt, and then that's where they go. You know, at some point, it becomes a conflict of interest if you're... A company that's sponsored by someone that's pushing some product that's that, that helps you more than it helps the industry you know we've talked about this a lot with other people like 
don't make rules that are that are just to make rules you know or someone get hurt and like we want to make a rule instead of being better at training you know well it's all about regulation right so we know it's all about words regulation is good as long as you word it correctly mm-hmm. right so you have to leave some you have to leave some room for someone to make a decision yeah interpretation interpretate the knowledge of whoever is making the decision basing the situation to make the correct call yeah if i tell you it has to be done xyz but it can be done xxy mm-hmm. then if i don't do it this way like it says in the regulation then i'm in not in compliance right so you have to be very careful when you're writing these regulations to allow for someone to make their own decision mm-hmm. but it has to the regulation has to be a very stringent guideline like it gives you a certain area to move through. Gotcha. Yeah. Like you have your parameter at the low side, the parameter at the high side. You stay in between the lines. You're good to go. Right. So we take like the most controversial one in Anzai, right? One handing a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Most controversial one. It'll never change. <laughs> right. What does Anzai say? Two hands on the saw be used at all times unless you can unless. prove that there's a unless you can prove that there is a potential for a greater hazard by having two hands on the saw. Mm-hmm. Right. Not word for word. But that's pretty much what it says. You yeah. prove it. You write it down. You document it. You're good, good to, go. to go. That's what regulation has to be done. Disclaimer: We're not right. telling anyone to go out there and one hand anything. They're like, "Oh man, Eric, Eric Bell, you know." <laughs> but by but the time you know it, Ludo's gonna know that right. you were saying that. But that, but that brings up another point, right? So we have mm-hmm. Anzai Z133 or whatever SOP is for your company, for Alice or Marbury's or whoever. The person reading it has to read it what it says right there's not a lot of room for interpretation right it gives you the should or shall Mm -hmm. those are your interpretation points if it's a shall it's mandatory if it's a should Mm -hmm. then you can use your judgment right plain and simple plain and simple unless there's an exception in the in the standard that says unless you can prove or whatever Mm -hmm. it's the people that are taking anzai and reading it and using their own interpretation of what it says. I mean, it's black and white. It says what it says. If you're not saying, well, it says I might have to do this or no, I don't like how that's written. So I'm not going to do that. There's no interpretation needed. It says it black and white. Yeah. You interpret should or shall. That's all you need to interpret. Mm -hmm. If it says shall, it's a mandatory. If it's should, you can use your better judgment. Plus the secretariat is really the only one that can interpret or like kind of define what it really talking about, which is ISA. And you shouldn't be trying to say this says this, you know, when it really doesn't. Or trying to make your own exactly. conclusion out of it. When you're, when everyone, and, and I hope people understand what I'm trying to say here is we have standards that are written. Most of us didn't have any play in writing them. That's okay. But it is a, it is a document that is to govern the safety practice, the best yeah. safety practices possible in our industry. It's not up for you to interpret. Unless mm-hmm. it says you can interpret this section. Mm-hmm. And if we can get past that, then the industry incident rate's gonna lower. Good. And then we can go back on the revision board and we can see what needs to change, you know, based on what everyone everyone's feedback. Yeah. And then we can make the changes and revise what the standard says. But if everyone's out there making their own opinions about what this thing says and doing their own thing then we can never get that standard to a point where it's got to be functional. Gotcha. 
I think Kelly's doing a really good job of, of kind of all of us being, I mean, look at us. We, we all work with different contractors out there mm -hmm. and we're, we're, we're more on the same page that we've ever been. Mm -hmm. I mean, me and you talk all the time and like we just had a pretty good conversation about one of the machines. Me and you had another conversation about another machine uh, last week as well, you know? Um, so great, great conversation. Uh, changing it a little bit. I know me and Phil were talking about, you know, people that have been instrumental in our industry. You know, I, I, I tell him he's been kind of instrumental in, in my upbringing, you know, and, you know, just the work that he's done. And, you know, I look up to him in, in some of the work that he does. Who, who's been that kind of person while you were coming up, you know, or, or that kind of company, whatever, you know, or who's been instrumental in so your career? There's been a lot, but the number one person is Melissa Lavangie. Oh, Melissa's awesome. Yep. Melissa is, she's obviously, she's been a shelter tree for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, Big shout out to Melissa. They threw an awesome party out there yesterday. Yep. At growing growing up in Rhode Island, Shelter Tree was the closest place to go get stuff. I was always up there, always picking her brain. And after making some career changes and being out here in California, being out in California, yeah, she has stuck stuck by me. I can I can text her, I can call her, I can ask her questions. Such a good attitude, yeah. always when you call always her. Always positive, always has good feedback. She here. Uh, they oh, might no. be. I they're still they were still in Massachusetts yesterday. Okay. So, Melissa is one of the one of them. Gotcha. She she's the one that really has. Uh, I don't know. She hasn't really pushed me, but when I ask for help, she's there to give it, and I think that's what's important. Yeah. Right. And that's super important in this industry because there's not enough people out there that are willing to share their knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Answer the phone when you call them. Right. I mean, to have a question about the stuff that we go through, equipment. She yep. knows equipment like anything else. And that's good. Yeah. Like that's you said, good. the attitude, you know, she's just always positive. Yeah. No, she is. And she's a badass. Like, I yeah, can see is. you looking up to someone like that, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah, she is. like you would look up to too many people. So oh, you're, you're a badass yourself. But when, when, you know, women in the industry like that, she's, Top notch. And what one. she, her and Bear, what, what she, had, what, what, what they both have done, uh, Melissa and Bear, what they both have done for for the women in the industry, is that you can't, you can't even quantify it. No, you mm. know, starting the women's tree climbing workshops, getting everyone involved in there, you know, it's just, it's an incredible, an incredible feat that, you know, it needed to happen, mm -hmm. right? It needed to. They, we, there's some badass women in this industry. I love having girls on the team. I absolutely oh, do. It changed the whole dynamic of the whole culture of out there in the field, the way yeah. they think and the way they talk and the way they perform the work. I mean, it's keeps I, you I on your it. toes. I love it. Keeps you on your toes. What's this young girl that works with you guys? Tall, uh, tall, young girl. Kira. Yeah. She's awesome. She's Same awesome. stuff. Yeah. Good, good. She came from the, the Butte college program. Wow. A rock star. Awesome. Awesome. This guy right here, big shout out. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, some of the first people that presented the class, Bill was yeah. part of uh, uh, creating the curriculum, you know, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. We got to give you a big shout out on doing that. You just that finished up one of the last classes, right? So we're on class number nine right now wow. uh, in San Bernardino County. Uh, we have about, we have over an 80% placement rate wow. for That's all of awesome. our graduates. That's yeah. awesome. We are, we're doing uh, ours in Chico coming up next month. And then the month after that, uh, Annie just told me they're bringing in high school kids. Hey, I was I like so excited. I'm like, finally, we're not going to have all crackheads in the class. 
No, I'm asking. <laughs> but, but the you program's know, we're a great giving program. everybody opportunity, and like I can't tell you how many people have come there as adults that yeah. maybe had a rough past. Maybe you know we're fucking a halfway house. You know, I've had dudes where I'm like, he's like, oh, I don't have a ride. Like, can you go drop me off at the halfway house? I'm like, as long as I don't stay there with you, like I can <laughs> drop you off. You know, I've been there myself. But you know, it, it's like so cool to see people be yeah. able to change their life. We we do it on a daily basis with with regular people at our companies, but. When you see this brand new person who's looking for a change in their lives after being better, after after serving their time, you know, with, with, with government or whatever, like, and, and then you help them get through that. I mean, the satisfaction, like, I mean, you and me have talked about it, about how good it feels to be able to do that because we were once maybe there yeah. or something, you know, I mean. Being able to uh, being able to give someone some direction that's never had direction, mm-hmm. you know, bouncing from job to job, maybe it's McDonald's, maybe it's Burger King, wherever, right? And now they have a career that they're gonna stick with and they're gonna actually enjoy being in. Mm-hmm. That's big. Yeah. That, that's a life-changing thing. That, that the we'll take the Butte College program uh, as our little uh, incubator here. These people coming to this class, they might, you know, never have a good career. Yep. You know, never be able to support themselves. And now all of a sudden they finished with five, a five week program with us. And now they're getting into this industry, which they literally don't ever have to leave. 200 hours of training. There's people in our industry that's been working for 10 years and never had 200 hours. Of so training. we looked at that. Golly. We looked at this for the 200 hours of training. It would take for me to see that one individual in the field. It would take me about a year and a half wow. to get 200 hours of time with that individual. Oh. And it's not going to be quality training because it's going to be in between what they're doing in the yeah. field. They're going to be occupied with doing something else. This is 200 hours of focused time. I've seen the product. Yeah. I've seen Yeah, you the have product. one of my students up there. I've seen it. They're coming through and then I don't even tell anybody when they come through a trial and they go, where, where'd you work at? What? Wait. Where, where'd you learn that? Where'd you learn that? And they're like, oh, I went through that. And then they go, wow. You know, I don't, I don't want them to give any, uh, uh, you know, uh, the trainers that are out there assessing them. I don't want to tell them anything. I just want them to go through it. And yeah. then they're like, wow, yeah. from that. But it's it a is. true I've evaluation. The product. Product's awesome. Yeah. True, awesome. True evaluation. And it's not just, you know, training them how to do tree work and this and that. But it's also training them just about how to be a better human being. How to be a hard worker. How to be respectful. Yeah. Of it, how to show up on time. Those things they'll take with them forever, even if they stay in this industry or don't stay in this industry. Anyone well, can teach see, you how to climb. I'm glad you said that. Stay or don't stay. That's where being the <laughs> trainers of that program, it's super important for us to place them in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I wouldn't send everybody to the Atlas, mm-hmm. the Atlas team. I had one individual that would make the Atlas cut. Mm-hmm. Having, you know, the relationships that we have within the industry. Being able to leverage those saying, hey, I've got some good some good people to put in your program and pushing them in the right place, that makes them stay. Yeah. When you push them to the wrong place or just leave them up in the wind for someone else to place them, mm-hmm. that doesn't work. Next thing you know, they're out of they're out of the job and they're on they're doing whatever they were doing before. So getting them in the bucket and shaking it around like they used to do to us, <laughs> it doesn't work no more. No. We still do it. We still, we still candlestick them and shut, shut All off. right. This guy's not so, going to cut it. So, Bill, you know, working with being in the industry since 14, um, 
you know, working with different companies from residential to larger utility companies to writing click, uh, uh, curriculum to working with colleges to the ANSI board. So many different uh, entities, companies have had your fingertips informing them over the years. What's some of the wisdom or tips from the top that you can give the person driving their truck right now to work this morning, someone that's having a bad day and just about ready to give up? You know, that person's listening to this call right now and you're probably listening to it going, oh, wait, OK, this is me. He's going to talk about to me. What, what kind of wisdom can you pass? So I actually say the same thing that I'm going to say right now to my classes on the first day. Mm. This industry doesn't care where you've been, doesn't care what you've done in the past, doesn't care about anything that's holding you back. Mm. This industry is based on what you want. If you want to succeed, you put your best foot forward and you're going to succeed. Absolutely. If you want to be a grapple driver, you can be a grapple driver. If you want to ride a crane ball, you can ride a crane ball. If you want to be a crane operator, you can be a crane operator. The only one that's going to hold you back in this industry is you. Mm. If you show up to work on time, you give it your best, this industry will give you everything you need. And that's that's the only thing you can say about it. Wow. That's good, man. That's good. What what a great way to probably end this session. <laughs> it's right? gonna end it, guys. And, listen, and they gotta you, you gotta stay tuned because Bill will be <laughs> at the ranch in Santa Rosa and we'll dive a little bit yeah, deeper we'll, into we'll, all we'll of this stuff. Yeah. You definitely have more to your story than what was told today. Yeah. And, you know, hearing a little bit about the SOPs and the policies and teaching in the colleges and you know, just recently of figuring this is this is it. Ten years ago, I'm gonna stay in this industry. We're going to hear more and we'll, we'll do it over maybe some cold beers or if you don't drink some uh, waters. Uh, Jared and I will drink or Jared sometimes just drinks for me, too. But uh, no, man, we appreciate you jumping on and giving us a little taste and Absolutely. Uh, what you do for the industry and everything. And, uh, you know, I, I like that. It's what you want out of the industry is what you can get. You're the only one that's going to hold You're yourself the only back. Hold so. yourself back. Guys, this is uh, Phil and Eric Palacio with Bill uh, bringing you two, three tree guys. That's and, right. Uh, no beer this time, but three tree guys. So uh, stay tuned to next time and uh, well, continue to two, elevate. Two tree guys and the guy from Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh, it's man. always, uh, uh, it's, it's great to call you our colleague. It's more awesome to call you our friend. Uh, thanks for taking time to sit down with me and Phil, and uh, we hope to see you at the ranch soon. Absolutely. That's it, guys. Glad to be there. Continue to elevate the standard. Awesome. See ya. Bye.